And as always, we'd like to thank our partners, Firebird Rising and the beautiful game network, BGN. You can go to their websites to see more of their content at firebirdrising.coreair, that's K-O-R-R-A-I-R.com, or at bgn.fm. And let's get to the show. Welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Jeff Went and Matt. Uh, we actually had some technical difficulties earlier. Um, Matt's now not available to record later today. We had some difficulties with the first one. I think you'll still get to hear parts of it, but that's just the long story short. Uh, now that that disclaimer is done, uh, we need to get to a few big things that are happening this week. The biggest was us playing the San Francisco Deltas in round three of the U.S. Open Cup. So, Jeff, why don't you tell us how that went? All right, let's go through Wednesday night's uh, U.S. Open Cup match against the San Francisco Deltas. Uh, three changes to the starting lineup uh, for this third-round match. Uh, J.J. Greer played in the uh, center back uh, for Jordan Stewart. Eller uh, Areola uh, found his way into the lineup on the left side uh, for Jason Gibbons. And uh, Omar Bravo back into the starting lineup this week, uh, playing in place of uh, Chris Cortez, who had gotten the night off. So a couple of interesting changes, not too bad. You know, a good lineup to throw out there to start. You know, third-round match has importance, yes. You know, we'll, we'll kind of get into some of that, that talk a little bit later. So let's get into the, the, uh, let's get into the first half here. Uh, San Francisco kind of got on the front foot right away, uh, right in the fourth minute, uh, beat an offside trap that uh, Phoenix Rising tried to put up, uh, got a shot right off, but uh, Josh Cohen, man that he is, been all season long, comes up with a quick early save. It was something that was very important and needed uh, to, to get things going on the right foot. Uh, a couple minutes later, uh, Phoenix Rising has its first attack with Jason Johnson, uh, finding uh, Omar Bravo, uh, in the box, uh, but unfortunately the San Francisco goalkeeper uh, was able to collect and, uh, and keep the harm away from there. Uh, we go to the 12th minute, Bravo had a free kick, uh, dropped it off short to Sean Wright Phillips. Sean Wright Phillips had a nice blast, but fired it right into the goalkeeper for the Deltas. Uh, big chance in the 19th minute, nice cross coming, coming from the left. Uh, Bravo was right on the back post. Uh, unfortunately, there was a foul called right before he was able to get to the ball. But at the same time, it also caused a little bit of an injury with uh, San Francisco's goalkeeper. He was down for two or three minutes. Everybody was kind of worried whether he was going to you know, be able to stay in the game, whether he was going to keep going. Got up after two minutes, looked okay, shook things off, and, and everything kind of went on its way. So, you know, the first 20 minutes, pretty interesting. You know, a little bit of give and take on both sides. We get into the middle 15, uh, the first half. Not a whole lot happened. Uh, Johnson had yeah, it was a pretty slow you know, for stretches. You know, Johnson had a nice little run into the box for Bravo. Just missed the connection on that one. Um, nice free kick by Bravo in the 35th minute. Uh, got onto uh, 
got it under the head of Peter Ramage, but Ramage pushed it a little bit too high over the top. Kind of lumbered into the rest of the first half, and then, of course, the, the play that a lot of people are talking about. We all, you know, we all looked at him multiple times. You know, we all thought Omar Bravo looked like he was onside. Flag went up really, really. It was a very close play. Yeah, flag went up really, really late, and and so unfortunately, you know, that chance goes by the wayside. Right. I mean, very close, kind of a bang bang call. So you can't fault the referee too much for raising the flag, the uh, sideline ref. But it definitely changes the game. If Phoenix gets that goal, they can change their tactics. They can put on a couple defenders in the second half, uh, maybe try to counterattack more as opposed to pressing for large stretches, which Phoenix was pressing for large stretches and not able to do too much. Uh, Also, from Omar Bravo's standpoint, that would have been his first goal of the season from open play, and that really would have been a confidence booster. Uh, I think he knows he can put the ball in the back of the net, but sometimes it's just nice to get that fresh reminder. And unfortunately, the flag went up to deny him that chance. So we go into the half, nothing, nothing. You know, good chances, both sides. Um, You know, you'd like to have that goal at the end of the first half to really give you that momentum going into the second. But we didn't, but that's okay. Come out early in the second half. uh, San Francisco again starts on the right foot with a nice shot from Becker, but Cohen made a nice save. Uh, Get into the what I thought was the best play of the game. Uh, Omar Bravo making a beautiful backheel pass to uh, substitute A.J. Gray. Just couldn't get that final connecting pass onto it to uh, to get the goal there. I mean, it was just, just a beautiful backheel play. Yeah, yeah the nicest, nicest uh, aesthetically uh, looking play of the match. Um, Bravo... I mean, not everyone showed up with a lot of energy in this match for Phoenix Rising, but Bravo was one of the exceptions. Um, You saw him score the PK, get that great chance that was just called offsides, and even at other points, really get the attack going with nice passing. You've seen that in a couple matches earlier this season, but it was really well evidenced in this 71st minute when they almost put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, and, and the interesting thing, too, that Bravo we talked about this. also was Omar Bravo was doing a lot of moving in and out. I mean, a lot of these games this year in which Bravo's played, we haven't seen him do a lot of that. You know, it's been a lot of just throw the long ball to, to Omar and let's see what he can do with the ball after that. I think this was one of the first games all year where we've really seen him move into spaces properly, finding the right connections, uh, you know, finding that open space and being able to go, you know, and get balls like that. I think that was by far, I think this was one of Omar's best games, you know, gets the, you know, we, we, we'll talk about the PK in a minute. Um, but for the most part, I think effort wise, this was his best of the game. So we get into the 81st. I definitely agree. So we get into the 81st minute and obviously the biggest 10 minutes of the match plus stoppage time, uh, Cody Wacosta gets called for a handball outside the box. Good call by the referee. I mean, I know a lot of people were complaining that, yeah, it wasn't really in, you know, his arm really wasn't in a, an unnatural position. You know, it wasn't trying to affect the play any. But still, he did, you know, when you go back and look at the replay, his arm is outside of his body, you know, with, with that, with, 
outside the body he's with. So, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to fault the referee there at that point, even though it may not look like he's not playing it properly that way. It is the right call if you go by the interpretation of the rules. So, And then, of course, Becker lines it up for the free kick. Hits off of Ramage's head. Cohen has no chance to react to the to the deflection off of Ramage because he's already shifted in the direction where he thinks the ball is going with the flight of it. Has no chance and ends in the back of the net. And, you, of course, you're down one nothing there. Yeah, it's a really tough one. I mean, San Francisco had one or two chances, but they weren't doing too much either for the most part to really test Josh Cohen. And then this one, I mean, the wall partially does its job and unfortunately it just takes a wicked deflection um i mean cohen all his weight is going to his right towards the right post and then it just goes back to the left post he actually almost saved it with his left hand going against the grain but the ball just got over his tips and it was a rough goal to stomach and a san francisco lead yeah but as we've seen in times before phoenix rising does make a push and three minutes later you get a nice free kick in about the same location as where Becker had his on the field Omar Bravo lines up to take the peak it takes the uh, the free kick and as he's taking it and lets it go Peter Ramage making a, a diagonal run in towards the middle of the box gets pulled down from behind referee sees it automatic penalty call again you know times you may not call that one but at that point of the game where the location was in open space, I don't think you can fault the referee on this one either. It was the right call for a penalty. Definitely. And that was um, that was Peter Ramage, by the way, making that run in the box. And there was definitely extension of the arms by the defender. Uh, and, you know, he pushed him to ground. And if you're extending the arms in the box as a defender, you should never be upset when there is a PK called. Occasionally, those don't get called, but it's definitely the right call. Yeah. Omar Bravo steps up, takes command of this free kick. He wants it real bad. And I think it was because he hasn't scored all year. Lines it up. Nicely taken PK. Back of the net, 1-1, 85th minute. And you're thinking, okay, we're, we're setting up for 30 minutes of extra time. Unfortunately, you got to play those extra minutes of injury time and in in the in the third minute of injury time, unfortunately, the Deltas in, you know enforce the play, and though many of those who were watching this game on the internet weren't able to see the goal, uh, we had the opportunity to go back a couple of times and take a look at it. First thing we questioned is why was Peter Ramage all the way out on the left? I mean that should have been where. That that should have been where uh, uh, area Wakasa. where no where Areola well yeah no, it was on the right I'm sorry it was on the right so yeah that's where Wakasa should have been he wasn't there so Ramage is making the play so Wakasa now is in the center of the field for whatever reason that may be marking a man inside the six so the cross comes in Cody Wakasa marks his man but it also gets through Cohen and the other person that's just standing there and we couldn't figure out why was J.J. Greer. J.J. Greer is standing there and all of a sudden turns around and watches Tommy Heineman walk behind him. And Heineman has the widest open net you can imagine and just slots it right in. And and obviously the, the, the death nail to Phoenix Rising. 
yeah, I mean, this is, this is, let's not sugarcoat this. This is a pathetic goal to concede. This is a goal that you'll see at a U10 AYSO game, where defenders are ball watching, a dumb little ball, just dribbler right in the box. I mean, Wakasa, yeah, is in the middle, and so the Delta runner and Wakasa both kind of trip over each other. No one makes contact with the ball as it's coming into the middle, so it's just rolling. And somehow it squirts past Cohen, too. And Cohen's been great for us all season. He's made some fantastic saves, but he needs to do something with that ball. He needs to collect that ball or at least push it into a different spot. And then J.J. Greer just ball-watching. You need to get to that post so that if it goes all the way through, you can clear it away for a throw-in or a corner. I mean, that's really inexcusable because he's just standing there eight yards out. Like, wait, what? And then and then Heinemann just comes in and taps it home. Uh, their leading scorer is not going to miss a chance like no, that. No, he's not going to. So, it's, it's just, those players are not going to want to see that one on film. Thankfully, I guess, most people didn't even get to see it on film because the coverage went black for a couple minutes in stoppage time the live feed uh, there were a few issues throughout the game and I understand that they're not on the biggest budget here but I mean you really all, all you got to do is get a camera on the field I, I don't see how this can happen multiple times and for it to cut out to the and miss the winning goal they didn't even show a replay it was very tough to stomach um, kind of like a double gut punch there because it just shows the uh, San Francisco players celebrating and you you just all the emotions, fury, anger, confusion, all at once yeah. is very tough to take. Yeah, it is very tough to take. and Unfortunately, we see that, and there's not much time left after that. And, and Phoenix Rising bows out of the U.S. Open Cup 2-1 to one to San Francisco. As much as... I will say there was, there was one chance, actually, after the goal. Um, just a long ball right at the death, and... Matt Watson actually got himself in a very good spot for basically a one-on-one -on -one header. I don't know how he got that open, but he couldn't get enough on it, and then the whistle blows. Yeah. So, third-round loss. Obviously, it's disappointing that you don't get the opportunity to you know go on to face uh, San Jose on the 14th of June. But I, you know, as much as I would like to say that this was a bad loss, I'm actually not disturbed because. While I while I love the Open Cup and you know I love the the, the whole idea of, of, of the little guy getting a chance to play the bigger guys and 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 get you know have your chance to, to play them. Right now the league is a little bit more important, and with all the situations that are surrounding what's going to be happening within the next week, you know I think those things are a little bit more important right now than worrying about whether we're going to play an MLS team in the Open Cup. Uh, you know it's it's yeah. it's all great but you know let's let's get back to the league let's concentrate on the league we're in a decent we're in a decent place right now we've got games in hand and and like we said this is going to be a big week upcoming so yeah on on the point of there being you know us being in a really good spot and with games in hand uh, Matt made a really good point when we were recording earlier about a post that someone shared on the Phoenix Rising FC page. I believe that was John McPherson. But basically the post was just saying all the teams ahead of us have games in hand. You know, 
Colorado Springs has played 13 games already. We've only played eight in USL. Uh, other teams, it's not that dramatic, but a lot of teams have played three more than us, four more than us, um, and, you know, we've only played eight games. So the season is still very young. Uh, we're going to hopefully accrue some points in the upcoming week as we get two games against OKC and Vancouver. But I think another point, too, is... Um, well, it's really just that we're in a good spot. And as far as the open loss, I think it's actually a blessing in disguise because our schedule is going to be very difficult coming up after these two games. Um, I believe we would have been playing at San Jose midweek, so around June 14th or 15th. These are our fixtures after that. At Swill Park versus Monarchs at Reno at Orange County. So that's a really tough stretch of games. And to have any distractions, any extra minutes before that stretch would be really dangerous. So I, I, I think this might actually work out for us in the end. Yeah, I, I agree with you right there. So, of course, obviously, we, you know, we transition into the two games that we're playing this week. Tuesday night, obviously, in Oklahoma City. This is obviously going to be a tough game. We knew how it was the first time in the 2-1 win. We knew how chippy that game was. Uh, it'll be interesting when Pro releases their list of referees for the upcoming week who gets assigned to the center circle uh, for this match. You know, that could have a role as to, you know, what kind of style of play we can expect to see in that match. But obviously, you know, OKC is going to have uh, Andy Craven in the lineup now after he's served his suspension and coming over on the, you know on the trade from from FC Cincinnati you know you've got Hugh you got uh, Hugh Allen Dixon who's who's a leading scorer you've got Miguel Gonzalez who's who's got 19 shots on the year you've got Corey Lorendi who obviously has played every minute for OKC this year but we know how chippy the first game was and we know it's going to be chippy again so that's obviously going to be an interesting game they're below us in the table three points is a must here i believe on tuesday night i i I might not go that far as far as the three points being necessary but i don't think we can afford to lose games like this against teams below us in the table um you know who've had a tough time scoring goals I think this is a huge opportunity for our defense to finally pitch a shutout this season. And that's something that they have not done in any game, in cup or in the season. Even going back to preseason, really. Um, There's going to be bad blood between these teams. The last time we played, we got a 2-1 win right at the death because Sean Wright Phillips put in an amazing goal. By the way, you should go vote for that goal for USL Goal of the Month. It's one of the choices. And I think it's in third place in voting right now. So now that that plug's done, uh, it was it was a chippy game. I mean, that was the match where Alessandro Rigi and Luke Rooney uh, suffered injuries, both pretty early on, and there were a lot of yellow cards, if I recall correctly. OKC also just suffered a really tough 1-0 loss over the weekend, gave up a game winner to Colorado Springs in stoppage time for a 1-0 defeat. So you know they're going to be angry, you know they're going to be frustrated, and you know they're going to be coming at 110%, and Phoenix needs to match that. Yeah, that, that they are. And then we get to Saturday night back at home against Vancouver Whitecaps 2. Can we all just say this together? 
Thank God Didier Drogba will finally see the field on Saturday night. <laughs> yes, he will. Drogba's finally playing. The team actually had a pretty clever announcement on Friday, kind of making fun of that, is Drogba playing joke. Uh, and and it's also going to be the head coaching debut for Patrice Carteron. So what, what, what are we looking for in our opponents? Well, obviously... Uh, they just came off a win uh, against T2, which, of course, sitting at the bottom of the table. Um, Gloria Amanda with two goals. Ben McKendry, two goals. Marco Bustos, two goals. Thomas Sanner, two goals. So we, we know we know they score in bunches. Uh, we got Spencer Ritchie patrolling the uh, the back line, uh, you know, on the on the net. So you know this is a this is a decent team, obviously. You know they've got players that they're working up through their system. Um, they're a tough team. They're right there in the middle of the table with the rest of us. Uh, you know this is going to be one of those games that you know how do you, you know how do you try to get points out of this one could be could be the question there. But you know I I think it's very possible. And obviously with the you know with the debut of of hopefully Patrice Carteron on the on the pit on the uh, touchline, you know, we'll kind of see our first look as to, you know, how, how the shape of this team is going to look now under his direction. If it's going to change any, uh, will we see different combinations in the back? You know, it, it'll be interesting to see what we see from him coming up. Definitely. Those are great observations. And this is going to be a huge game too. I mean, it's, it's, if you talk about relegation scraps in Europe, they refer to these kind of games as a six-pointer. And the way that the Western Conference table is right now, there are just so many teams bunched up between third and 13th place, really. Almost all of these are six-pointers. And especially yeah, and this... uh, coming up against a team like Vancouver, which currently sits in the eighth spot in the, in the Western Conference standings. Yep. So big opportunity, and uh, I, I think you really got to get three in this game. Yeah. Uh one of the one of the interesting things that uh, that Matt talked about when we recorded the first time, obviously, uh, <laughs> it, the interesting uh, we, we we won't name names uh, on this on this podcast, but uh, there were certain individuals that were already trying to sell their tickets for Drogba, you know, for for Drogba's first game at a at a much elevated price than what is available out there. We looked at tickets available yet you know through Ticketmaster and there are obviously plenty of seats still available you know as we speak and and for somebody to to mark up their value of their ticket by five times the amount of of, of what it is you know just doesn't quite totally make sense to me and I know it doesn't make sense to you and it didn't make sense to Matt either so yeah it's just a bad look I mean the the guy goes onto the team page, like the fan page, um, and usually if people talk about tickets on these pages, it's because, you know, something happened last minute, they can't make it, and you're just trying to sell the tickets for face value or even a little bit less, um, you know, really just trying to treat others the way you would like to be treated, so just trying to be friendly, maybe they can do a favor for you later on. Um, well, this guy, these are $20 face value tickets and he tries to sell them for $100 each. And I realized that it is Drogba's debut, 
but you have to be kidding me if you think that someone is going to buy those tickets for that value. Um, he even like made some economic arguments about it. It's like maybe people think that the tickets are worth that much. Well, there's a thing called supply and demand in economics, and there's still a ton of tickets available. So if there are tons of tickets available for five times cheaper, why would you buy those? So I think his offer is not going to be taken up by anyone. And beyond that, it's just it's just not smart. Why why do you want to potentially damage your reputation among other fans like that? So I mean, just I guess I guess in the future, like you know, obviously things happen, and there are some games that you would like to sell your tickets for. But I mean, don't do it on a fan page if you're gonna try to uh, post ticket prices like that. Is just I mean all this. All, all sorts of things happen on the internet, but this one was just so crazy. We had to stop and take note. Yeah, that that we did. So, all right. So let's get into the Western Conference, or let's get into the USL uh, schedule for this week and and scores from from this week. Uh, on Friday, St. Louis had a two nothing victory over Toronto. On Saturday, uh, Rochester beat FC Cincinnati one nothing. Interesting result in the East. Charleston and Louisville played to a four four draw. Orlando beats That's Pittsburgh 2-1. New York gets back on the winning ways against Richmond 1-0. We talked a little bit about the Colorado Springs-Oklahoma City game you know, before, but uh, Rory Argula had a goal in the 93rd, you know, two minutes right before, you know, OKC's going to pull out a point and, and, and just go down to defeat right there. I mean, that, was a, that had to have been a tough one for Oklahoma City. Definitely was, and that that'll fuel their fire uh, coming into the match on Tuesday. Which yep. I don't think we mentioned this before. 5:30 local start time, so that's a nice treat right as you get off of work. Um, if you're really planning to watch this, take note because you don't want to get home at 7:15, get all hyped up to watch the game, and it's already done. Yeah, this is true. Uh, another interesting result in the West: uh, Real Salt Lake one nothing makes a first-minute goal from Chandler Hoffman's stand. I mean, that we, we've seen this a number of times from RSL, how they make how they make results stand. And to get something in the first minute and to be able to make it stand, especially against Orange County, who had been playing fairly decent, but the last couple of weeks had kind of fallen off. Another tough result for Orange yeah, County. The month of May month of May has not been kind to Orange County. Um I kind of noted, even when I saw them in preseason, and I've seen them a couple times, you know, their defense is going to be fairly solid, but the issue would be that they could have trouble scoring, and their last few matches, they have had trouble scoring. And then on the flip side, that's just another fantastic result from Monarchs. That's why I think that they're the most dangerous team in the Western Conference, is because they can put goals in and they can win a 4-2 or a 5-3, and then they can also lock down on defense and win a 1-0 like this on the road uh, they can beat you in multiple ways they have great goal scoring and great defense which I don't think many other teams can say that this is true San Antonio and Swope played to a 0-0 tie you had an interesting uh, little interesting banter this week with a, with a San Antonio fan uh, on Twitter why don't you kind of go into that a little bit yeah it's just a fun story so I mean Obviously, if you get enough people 
that care passionately about their teams, there will be disagreements from time to time. Uh, last week, I was saying that the San Antonio squad didn't have the most attractive style of play. I have concerns about how that's going to carry over into the playoffs. And I think a nil-nil result this week just kind of confirms my concerns with San Antonio. Obviously, they have a great defense. No one's going to argue that. They definitely have to be one of the top two or three defenses in the league. And statistically speaking, they're the best. Uh, but they've struggled to score in a lot of games. And the thing about the playoffs is, once you get two teams in there, I mean, it could be a nil-nil or just one defensive mistake, and you're down one-nil, and all of a sudden your season's over. You know, because the playoffs, these aren't two-legged ties. San Antonio is also a team without a ton of playoff success in the past. So... I just have my doubts. But, you know, of course, a San Antonio fan. I believe he goes by Ramen Cole on Twitter. Shout out. He's a great listener and follower of the show. Well, he, he called me out and uh, he's like, that's crazy. So I think we have a little wager going where if San Antonio makes the conference finals, I will eat a spicy pepper of his choice. And then if they don't, if they crash out in the first or second round, I will make him eat a spicy pepper of my choice so i think that's how they do things down in texas so that's 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 our little banter we got going um but that's my justification for that take we'll definitely have the twitter uh the the twitter cameras rolling on that one when if and when it happens so that'll be interesting and if we end up playing san antonio first or second round of the playoffs yeah that could be very fun online so. <laughs> Sacramento gets a 0-0 draw against Rio Grande. Uh, Seattle Sounders 2 gets a 3-0 victory over LA Galaxy 2. Uh, Para with a, with a pair of goals uh, sandwiched in between uh, with uh, Sare on the 69th. Interesting thing about uh, LA Galaxy this week, you know, we, we just saw them, you know, beat them 2-1 over in LA. Um, but they're going through some definite goaltender issues not only with the second team, but with the first team. Obviously, Brian Rowe had gotten injured. Uh, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So obviously, they've called Clement Diop up from the LA, you know, the LA two team. So now they're going to be struggling on the back line. This, you know, teams might be able to take advantage of this situation now as it moves forward. So when we get into uh, games played on Sunday. Uh, Bethlehem Steel and Ottawa played to a one-one draw. Uh, Charleston and Tampa Bay played to a 2-2 draw. And Vancouver gets the 1-0 victory over Portland Timbers 2 with a Bustos penalty kick in the 56th. So that's that's the uh, wrap on the USL this week. Uh, let's move into the Western Conference. Yeah, only only three things this season are certain. Uh, life or uh, death, taxes, and one goal T2 losses. <laughs> that's another week and another T2 narrow defeat it seems like every week they're playing hard and they're just coming up short yeah. but so we get into the western conference standings now uh real salt lake leads at the top 10 and 1 record with 30 points uh san antonio is in second with a 9-0 and 3 record and 30 points and it's a 13 point drop to third at seattle sounders 2 at 5-5 and 2 colorado springs is in fourth at 4-4 and 5 for 17 points Tulsa in fifth at five and five for fifteen points. Sacramento is in sixth at four five and three with fifteen points. 
Rio Grande Valley 4-3 and 2 of 14 points. Currently holding the eighth spot is Vancouver at 4-5 and 2 of 14 points. So then we go to ninth at Swope Park Rangers at 4-4 and 1 with 13. Phoenix sits in 10th with a 4-4 four four record at 12 points. Reno in 11th at 3-5 and 3 for 12 points. Orange County goes to 12th at 3-4 and 1 with 10 points. Oklahoma City in 13th, 3-5 and 1 with 10 points. LA Galaxy 2 at 2-7 and 2 with 8 points in 14th. And rounding out the standings in the West is Portland Timbers 2, 1-10 and 2 for 5 points. So that's your Western Conference look at this point. Uh, one other interesting note we wanted to bring up uh, this week as far as, you know, as, uh, those of you that follow the MLS expansion, uh, there was an interesting uh, development in the San Diego project this week. Uh, the city council there is looking uh, at putting a, a vote, you know, for sometime this year in 2017 to get the stadium referendum uh, on the ballot. That would cost about $5 million to put that special election together. They're not sure whether the city is willing to do that or not. And I think if the city's not willing to do that and this doesn't happen, it's going to put a really big dent into San Diego's bid you know, for an MLS expansion franchise because if you start pushing it into 2018, who knows when that vote happens in 2018. And, and by the time Don Garber gets ready to make the announcements for those uh, MLS expansion selections, uh, you could be looking, you know, they could be looking at the wrong side of, you know, of this four-team expansion bid and uh, could be on the outside looking in. What do you think, Dominic? Well, I mean, you never want to cheer for other city, other city bids to fail. But if you're looking at it just from a Phoenix Rising standpoint, I think San, San Diego's loss could potentially be our gain. I still think Sacramento... If you're going to compare its chances to San Diego's and only one California team gets into MLS to join the others, I still think you have to say Sacramento's in a much better spot, especially with all the turmoil going on between San Diego State University and these uh, MLS developers. Um, I don't know if the announcement is still going to happen November 2017. That's what people were saying last year uh, for the first two teams to go up. But if San Diego's plan doesn't work out, now Phoenix is looking like one of the best Western Conference cities. I mean, the other ones that are in the running, San Antonio and Sacramento, and I think those are cities that could both support a club. But San Diego, if they, if they trip over themselves, it's definitely going to help us out. And there are a lot of other quality bids, so it, it might not work out in the end. Yeah, that's, that's definitely for sure. So, Well, at this point, we'll roll into our uh, final thoughts for the week. Uh, Dominic, I'll go ahead and let you start for, for this one. And... Thank you. Um, I mean, before I was actually going to touch on the, the ticket price thing, but I think we already got that covered. So I guess another point that is worth mentioning, the standings right now are just so bunched third through 13th there's a seven point gap and this this week is just going to be so important because it's the first time that we're playing two matches in a week but also if we go look at the schedule beyond this week 
I mean, these are these are very winnable games, Oklahoma City and Vancouver. Well, after that, you have Swope, who's so dangerous at home. Uh, they're <laughs> they're going to be hosting us. Then we then we host Monarchs, but that's a really tough matchup. And then we play away to Reno and Orange County. We need to get at least four points from this week, because if we don't, I know you've alluded to it before, but past. Arizona United seasons have fallen apart at this time of the year and we can't see that same fate happen. We need to give ourselves a cushion so that people aren't freaking out come July when suddenly we're looking like four, five, six points out of the playoff picture. Um, and then of course you have Drogba's debut, Carteron's debut potentially. Uh, this is just a week to keep your eyes firmly focused on Phoenix because I have a feeling they're going to be the talk of USL this week and we need to show what we're capable of and finally get a shutout. That, that would definitely be nice, that for sure. Well, we can touch on Matt's point a little bit. Matt Matt was a little disappointed at, at some of the banter this week uh, at the game on Wednesday. Uh, you know, it, the game was slow building. We all, we all kind of noticed that and was, you know, struggling at times. So some fans decided to uh, start doing the wave. And uh, a lot of fans, you know, a lot of other fans started taking to social media and, you know, why are you doing this? And, and uh, you know, what's the purpose of doing this, especially here at a soccer? I don't see a problem with it. You know, it's fans being fans. It's fans wanting to enjoy and have a good time. I mean, if people don't want to follow in and don't want to join, that's their right and their prerogative to do that, but it doesn't mean that they should necessarily decide to shut down and and tell other people that it's not right for them to be able to do it. Um, you know, you go to a, you go to soccer, you know, you go to other soccer matches around the world, you go to football games, you go to basketball games, you go to hockey games. You see it happen all over the place and nobody else questions it really. So why why are we questioning it here? Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely people that I know that are anti-wave. I understand that, I guess, but it's not like an offensive chant or anything, so I think it's important to distinguish that from Puto, which our team actually gets fined for when people chant that. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not offensive. Uh, it keeps pe- Especially in a game like that where it's a very slow nil-nil game at times, it keeps people excited. It keeps... It gives them something to cheer about, and I, I just don't understand how people can uh, be so judgmental of other fans for just trying to get the most out of that experience. I think all fans should be welcome to support the team however they feel uh, they should, and I can't understand why anyone would be against that. And as long as they're not cheering uh, with any offensive language or uh, symbols or anything, so. Yeah, I to- I totally agree with you there on that. So my and then you had a point. Yeah. Too, so right? my final point for this week, you know, I'm kind of I'm gonna go a little bit away from from the the USL MLS kind of focus there. Um, I I don't know how many people really got a chance to see the uh, the. You know, United States men's uh, under-20 national team play during uh, these past couple of weeks at the World Cup over in South Korea. But, uh, 
you know, we're finally starting to get to see Arizona on the map as far as, as soccer goes, especially when you've got two guys in Brooks Lennon and Justin Glad who have spent time here in Arizona with their play, uh, get some some national exposure on, on a big stage such as such as the U twenty World Cup. You know, you see what's going on here with, with Phoenix Rising and the ownership group and putting this all together. We now have a stadium that's very centrally located uh, in this valley for everybody to get to within 20 to 30 minutes time. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better right now. Great, great support from the fans. You've got players who are getting national attention and bringing Arizona to the forefront. You've got a player now, Didier Drogba, who's joined this club that is is bringing his, his vast experience and his knowledge of the game to Arizona. I mean, you can't tell me anymore right now that Arizona is not a hotbed for soccer. I mean, Brooks Lennon started his career at Brophy High School, and, and I followed that for a long time when he was doing that. Justin Glad spent a lot of time at the RSL Academy down in Casa Grande. Um, you know, you you just you, you can't quantify right now how important Arizona is as a hotbed for soccer right now. And it's it's growing and it's a great thing to see and I can't wait to see what the next, you know, little bit has to provide for us. Yeah, I think you're totally right and I know that the ownership group was very excited about the prospects of getting an academy going uh, as part of the MLS pitch we definitely have the talent to do it in this state and I mean it's like you're saying we're just at the tip of the iceberg and things should continue to get better and better as we move forward Uh, one other thing too that's not necessarily a final point but a video just got out I think today I saw online from kick which is a pretty popular soccer website they do a lot of coverage of just the game in the U.S. and and around the globe. They actually had a couple people go out to the rising game against Oklahoma City, and they took some video, interviewed a few fans. Very cool little six-and-a-half-minute video, and it got a lot of positive publicity on Facebook, on Twitter. So check that one out. That was just a really cool thing to see today. Yeah, definitely. That it was. Well, I think that's about it for this episode, unless you have anything to add. That I don't. All right, well, thank you for listening so much. We are going to be back next Sunday after two humongous games. I think we'll have a lot to talk about. The debut of Drogba and potentially the debut of Patrice Carteron. Two huge games, as I mentioned, and hopefully we'll have a lot of points accrued finally. We'll make up some of that... Uh, games in hand and hopefully we'll be in a good mood but no matter what win draw or lose we're going to have a lot to talk about next Sunday so definitely keep on the lookout for that but thank you for listening today thanks a lot and have a great day everybody